Hello and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor SF Walker. I am here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. Today, we look at the Master and his Emissary, The Divided Brain and the Making of the Western World by Ian McGilchrist. In science, you can be as perfunctionary as you like, as long as you're saying what everyone else is saying. But if you're saying something different, you need responsibly enough to be as explicit about your evidence and as empirically based as possible. That way you are open to challenge and this is how science progresses. The defining feature of the human condition can all be traced to our ability to stand back from the world, from ourselves and from the immediacy of experience. This enables us to plan, to think flexibly and inventively, and in brief, to take control of the world around us, rather than simply respond to it passively. This distance, this ability to rise above the world in which we live, has been made possible by the evolution of the frontal lobes. Experience is forever in motion, ramifying and unpredictable in order for us to know anything at all. That thing must have enduring properties. If all things flow, and one can never step into the same river twice. Conventional neuropsychological literature distinguishes five types of attention. Vigilance, sustained attention, alertness, focused attention, and divided attention. While not identical, Vigilance and sustained attention are similar and they are often treated as one concept. Together with alertness, they form the basis of what has been called the intensity axis of attention. The other axis is selectivity, made up of the two remaining types, focused and divided attention. We have a sufficiently strong propensity not only to make divisions in knowledge where there are none in nature, and then to impose the divisions on nature, making the reality thus comfortable to the idea, but to go further and to convert the generalizations made from observations into positive entities, permitting for the future these artificial creations to tyrannize over the understanding. Could one go as far as to say that the left side represents science and the right side nature? There is a case for supposing that the left side represents the fruits of the human invention, including language, manufacturing and part-wise way of representing objects. Those emotions which are related to bonding and empathy, whether we call them positive or negative are preferentially treated by the right hemisphere, as one would expect such stimuli capture right hemisphere's attention. By the same token, those to do with competition, rivalry and individual self-belief, positive or negative, would be preferentially treated by the left hemisphere. 
The left hemisphere is the equivalent of the sort of a person who, when asked for directions, prefers to make something up rather than admit to not knowing. The linguistically proficient left hemisphere appears predisposed to repress negative emotions and even choose to confabulate. To some extent, perhaps, we inevitably confabulate stories about our lives, a process overseen by the left hemisphere's interpreter. However, it is the right hemisphere that makes judgments about the truth or plausibility of these narratives. All knowledge has to be knowledge of distinction, and it is of something other than the self. Eventually, one might say that all experience is experience of difference. Our attention is responsive to the world, but the world is also responsive to our attention. The organic function of thought is carried on, for the most part, unconsciously. Should the product finally enter consciousness also, or should consciousness momentarily accompany the process of logical thought, the light only penetrates to the shallows, and the actually fundamental processes are carried out in the darkness of the unconscious. The specific purposeful operations are chiefly, and in any case at the beginning, wholly instinctive and unconscious, even if they later press forward into the luminous circle of consciousness. When we remember that it is the right hemisphere that succeeds in bringing us in touch with whatever is new, by attitude of receptive openness to what is, by contrast, with the left hemisphere's view that it makes new things actively by willfully putting them together bit by bit. It seems that here too is evidence that the right hemisphere is more true to the nature of things. The left hemisphere is parasitic to the right. It does not have life itself. Its life comes from the right hemisphere, to which it can only say no or not say no. The left hemisphere is competitive, and its concern and prime motivation is power. If the working relationship to become disturbed so that the left hemisphere appeared to have primacy or became the end point or final staging post of the processing of experience, the world would change into something quite different. It would be relatively mechanical, an assemblage of more or less disconnected parts. It would be relatively abstract and disembodied, relatively distanced from the fellow feeling. Given to explicitness, utilitarian in ethic, overconfident of its own take on reality, and lacking insight into the problems. To the extent that the left hemisphere is the locus of conceptualized knowledge, and to the extent that the right hemisphere embodies intuitive perception, it is clear that both are necessary and that the balance needs to be kept. A hemisphere assumes control of processing as a result of set of expectations as to the nature of the processing requirements prior to actual information processing, and it remains in control even if its performance, for whatever reasons, is considerably worse than that which could have been produced by the opposite side of the brain. More than one will and more than one set of goals and values does not mean more than one consciousness. So with one consciousness, we can have more than one will, expressive 
of more than one aim. Logos represents, as indeed the left hemisphere does, a closed system which cannot reach outside itself to whatever it is that exists upon different from itself. According to Plato, knows reason as opposed to rationality is characterized by intuition and according to Aristotle, it is knows that grasps the first principle through induction. So the primacy of reason, right hemisphere, is due to the fact that rationality, left hemisphere, is founded on it. Once again, the right hemisphere is prior to the left. The right hemisphere, the one that believes but does not know, has to depend on the other, the left hemisphere that knows but does not believe. The greater purpose demands a submission. The master needs to trust, to believe his emissary, knowing all the while that the trust may be abused. The emissary knows but knows wrongly that he is invulnerable. If the relationship holds, they are invincible. But if it's abused, it is not just the master that suffers, but both of them, since the emissary owes his existence to the master. Over the entrance to the gates of the Temple of Science are written these words, ye must have faith. It is the quality which the scientist cannot dispense with. Science cannot solve the ultimate mystery of nature, and that is because, in the last analysis, we, ourselves, are part of nature, and therefore part of the mystery that we are trying to solve. The true value of a man is not determined by his or her possessions, supposed or real, of truth, but rather of his sincere exertion to get to what lies beyond the truth. It's not the possession of the truth, but rather the pursuit of truth by which he extends his powers in his ever-growing perfectionability is to be found. Possessions make one passive, indolent, wane. If God held enclosed in his right hand all truth, and in his left hand the ever-living striving for truth, although with the qualification that I must forever err, and said to me, choose, I should humbly choose the left hand and say, Father, give. Pure truth is for thee alone. Please do help out. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy. Share it too and spread the word. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. A link to this book is in the description below. So buy it and read. Never stop learning. Thank you. Love and respect.